0: It's the Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. Each and every week, we talk about sports topics of local interest, occasionally a national topic or two. Normally, at least in football season, we have a gambling segment. We'll probably get back to that sometime in, in March as we get towards NCAA tournament time and then the portion of the podcast where you can ask me a question on any topic. Go to the Twitterverse, hit up the hashtag Ask Anything, and it can be a question on any topic. does not have to be sports-related. In fact, I prefer if it wasn't sports-related, but I will answer a question or try my best if it is indeed sports-related. Rick, you know, there's been times in my life where I've, I've left um, – You know, my cell phone in a car, I've left a jacket or a a pullover or something and call my buddy and say, hey, man, could you bring me that? I'm not so sure I've ever left a gun and said, hey, man, could you bring me the gun? I'm about to I'm about to cap somebody.
0: Well, in fairness, have you ever owned a gun?
1: (laughs) That's a fact in fairness, the answer to that is no, I have not.
0: I mean, look, life in Alabama is just different, man. Like the, anyone over the age of 18 is allowed to carry guns wherever the hell they want in Alabama. They don't need any reason for doing so. That's so right. that's right. It's just a different world down there. I don't know. Maybe leaving leaving your handgun in the back of a friend's sedan is
1: normal culture. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe it is. I just was wondering if that ever happened to you, because I, you know, like I said, i have I've left some things behind, but yeah, never a gun. But again, you're right. I never I, I will say I do. After my father had passed away, he did own a, a couple of handguns and I I wanted to get rid of them. So I took him up to the Independence Police Station in, in beautiful Independence, Kentucky, and said, hey, these were my dad's. I don't want these. He goes, we can't take those from you. I thought, well, that, there's a problem there, dude. So I thought, should I just kind of like leave it on the corner let somebody just pick it up? Is that okay? I mean, what the hell? I'm trying to get rid of the damn thing.
0: Well, I mean, it it didn't help that the serial numbers were filed off and all of those (laughs) sorts of things. I mean, I don't know what your dad was doing with those guns, but yeah, the police didn't want that. You need to wait for the buyback program where they buy, you know, they take back all the guns from the drug dealers. No questions asked and all that. That's a good that's a good policy.
1: Yeah, I guess I I could. I could have kept that gun, though, and had my own gun and left it in my car at one point. Gosh, hey, you know what? I left that in my car. Can you go back to my house and get, get the gun for me?
0: Oh, I crazy. mean, it, it's it can happen. It's like you were at the uh, NKU coaches show this week. You could have very yes. well just left your gun in the backseat of my car over there.
1: Have. That's exactly right. It's possible.
0: Who knows? Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's start okay. with some other college basketball talk first. And, Skinny, I want to start with Kentucky this week. The Wildcats win two games 66 54 over Tennessee, and then an 82 74 win at Florida. They'll take on Auburn on Saturday and then Vandy on Wednesday. But, I mean, this is a program that probably two weeks ago we were ready to leave for dead, and I don't think we were in the minority there. Pretty much everyone was like, this team is done. They just don't have it this year. What's going on with John Calipari, and will next year's number one recruiting class be enough to fix this thing? And out of nowhere, all of a sudden,
1: this Kentucky team is showing some life again. Yeah, it's been a strange season because – you know, they felt left for dead after the South Carolina loss and then went and, and stunned everybody by going to Tennessee and winning. And that sparked a little mini run of winning some games. And you thought, OK, they're back. And, and then came, you know, another ugly loss. And you thought, nope, now they're done. Here, here comes the Georgia loss. Yep, they're done. And all of a sudden they go to Mississippi State last week, pull off the win, really kind of dominated Tennessee for much of the game on Saturday and yeah I know Castles and the big man didn't play for Florida last night and that helped O'Shibway go off but still going on the road to that that place um to win a game is big and suddenly you look up Rick and and I know I saw Jerry Palms bracket yesterday or I believe it was he had Kentucky already up to the 8 seed line before the Florida game bracket matrix has him now up to the 9 seed line it's no longer a sweat of them getting in it's a matter of can they can they battle this to the eight or seven seed line? I I, mean, I don't think there's much difference between the eight and nine seed line because you're still going to have to play the one. But, uh, I mean, they've still got a chance to get another couple of quad one wins before this is all said and done, before you get to the SEC tournament and maybe get another one or two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said it after the Tennessee win that Kentucky's in at this point. Yeah, it, I, yeah, I know, thought
1: so too. Yeah, You I don't
0: want there. them to lose out. That's not I'm going right. to look good. There's going to be some sweating, and you'll be talking about bid thieves and all of that. But they were in after that Tennessee win Agreed. pretty solidly. And, yeah. You go win that game at Florida. And now, like you said, we're talking about seeding with this Kentucky team. And and now, if you're a one seed, you're looking down there saying, crap, we better not be drawing Kentucky in that eight-nine game.
1: No, it's 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 like the season they beat Wichita State, right? When Wichita State was a one seed. I'm sure they're looking, going, and they they were a well-deserved one seed that year, a really good team, but it was a year that they were you know, it's still, it's Wichita State and Kentucky for goodness sakes. And so that, that is scary. I mean, you know, if you're Purdue, do you want to see Kentucky in the second round?
0: Well, if you're anyone in the country, do you want the national player of the, the reigning national player of the year facing you in the first round? That just right. seems unfair. Right? No, you're right. And kudos to Kentucky and and John Calipari for figuring something out here. I mean, Casey Wallace has been great all of a sudden for the last few games and Shibway seems like he's sort of rejuvenated all of a sudden and they're finding ways to get him involved in the offense more again. And,
1: and Chris Livingston has been really, really good.
0: He has really stepped up too. And And he was one of the freshmen that earlier this season didn't look like he really had a place within the system. He was just kind of floating out there and, and not through his fault. I don't think, but just because it didn't seem like they really knew how to use him yet. And uh, he's really found his role here over the last month or so.
1: Yeah, big double double. But I think back to back double doubles for him if you go to the Tennessee game and then last night. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you though. I, I'm not sure what clicked. I don't know if it's all of a sudden um, the 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 group that was left behind with Frederick getting hurt and 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 Severe Wheeler getting hurt and not playing that it literally literally defined specific roles for guys that they fell into. Was it a matter of this is you know, it, it's, it wasn't a matter of talent. It always felt like a matter of fitting. And, you know, now Casey Wallace is running the show and while he hasn't shot it great, you're right. I thought he was the best player on the floor in the Tennessee game. And now Livingston starting to, to, I mean, he's had a couple of big stick backs and, you know, back-to-back double doubles and, and, you know, Jacob Toppin's making shots and, and taking good shots and not forcing, you know, 20 foot jumpers and, um, you know, he's taking some threes, but he's taking, looks like some pretty good threes. He was two or three last night. It just feels like all of a sudden everybody's role is defined. Now, can they sustain this with the minutes that are being put on the guys who start? Cause it's still a very s- slim bench, but I, it, it's, it, I don't call it stunning. You know, stunning is if you're not very talented and suddenly you start winning a bunch of games, like how in the hell are they doing that? But it is surprising because they were left for dead.
0: I do think with Cal system at Kentucky, it always is best when he has a point guard that's able to get downhill and then make reads and Caseen Wallace is giving them that right now. He and, he can, com-
1: and he has a chance to finish in the lane or at the rim.
0: Right. And, and it feels like Kentucky oftentimes has a talented guard that would capa- be capable of getting his own. But what takes their offense to the next level when they're playing well is the guy that can come down and make some reads and make some plays because Basically, it's a read and react offense when it's at its best. And, and that's what, you know, you don't want to have to be calling up a lot of sets within Calipari's offense. They're not going to be very good at that. But when they have guys that can read and react a little bit and it starts mostly with the point guard, I think that's really when they start to shine. And that's what you've seen recently with Casey and Wallace, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and you, you see both his confidence and Livingston's confidence going up. And that's what you would hope out of freshmen is that this is, this is the time of the year where they're taking not just little strides, but taking huge strides. I think both of them have.
0: Yeah, let's switch gears here to Cincinnati. Bearcats won their last two games here since we last spoke. They had a 73-71 win at UCF and then an 88-83 overtime win against Temple on Wednesday night, which uh, it was a game that they looked like they had all wrapped up and then Temple comes back and sends it to overtime and and then the guys found a way to pull it out in the extra frame there. They'll play Sunday at Memphis. Uh, Skinny, what would you make of back-to-back wins for UC.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they look like they were going to crap down their legs at, at, at USF, and and DeJulius makes a big shot, and last night, you're right. I mean, one kid goes off for 30 points and looked like UC was going to win comfortably anyway and then had to grit one out. I do think for them now, because you want to be one of the top five in the in the league to get a bye because the top five all get a, a first-round bye, that win probably puts them in a, in a perfect spot for that. They're now a full game up on Temple, they're they're uh, two and a half actually game up in the loss column on Wichita state, which has somehow played three less games. Uh, and, and now if you can, if you can take care of the SMU game, I don't think they go to Memphis and win. I don't know if they move up higher, but you know, if you can be in that, that one of those top five and get a first round by it at least positions you to maybe make a run in the AC. Cause that's the only way, obviously they're going to make the tournament.
0: Yeah. They're, they're sitting at fourth right now. Right. Yeah. You've got Houston, Memphis and Tulane. And like you mentioned, they're a, uh, two games back in the loss column of Tulane right now. and uh, But they've played two more games than Tulane has. And uh, then Temple and Wichita State UCF are trailing them. So they, they do look like they are in a good position to get that buy in the American Athletic Conference tournament. Do you think with what they've shown us over the last few games here, do you think they are more of a threat to win the conference tournament than you maybe would have said a few weeks ago?
1: Yes, but I also think it's a big ask because I just don't know if they're going to need a little help too. So let's just let's just play the game that they're going to finish as the four seed. That means you're facing Houston as the one seed in the semis, and if you somehow would pull an upset off of there, then you probably have to get through Memphis or Tulane, and I just don't think they're better than either one of those teams. I think that's just a big ask. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a tough ask.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the problem for them right now is – being able to get up in that two, three seed line is going to be difficult because you, you only have two games left here, the Memphis game. And then you have a week off. You play again the following Sunday at home against SMU. Um, And like I said, you're two games back in the last column compared to Memphis and Tulane, they have four games left. So not looking good in terms of moving out of that four spot. Right now it's more about maintaining it.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, they, if they go to Memphis and win, then I'll be a little bit more of a believer. Plus, if they do go yep. to Memphis and win, that's Memphis's fifth loss. Memphis then has to go to SMU. Um, while SMU isn't very good, it's still on the road. And then they close it home with Houston. So they could get to that six-loss area.
0: That's true. The only problem there is going to be the the tiebreaker at that point because yep. you'd be tied with Memphis. Yep. Skinny, I, I think, though, the, the thing with UC recently is you've seen a team that is capable of playing with anybody in the American athletic conference. I think the question for me is, can they string together three wins in a row in a tournament scenario? And I just don't know that they've shown that type of consistency yet. I do think a win at Memphis here this Sunday would help that that's, you know, you've won three games in a row. They were kind of hard fought games The 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 first two probably shouldn't have been as close as they were, but you go and you win at Memphis. That's a very legitimate win. It does show some momentum and some level of consistency. I think.
1: And getting the lock and back helps. Um, they helped a lot. Another score, obviously. Yeah, I, I think you're asking in a three game setting in a tournament, you're going to need David DeJulius and Landers Nolly to be great three games in a row. And I think that's just a big ask for for both those guys to be great for three games in a row.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. Let's switch gears here to Xavier, the Musketeers beat DePaul 82 to 68 earlier in the week and or over the weekend, actually. And then Earlier in the week, they lost to Villanova 64-63. to They will play at Seton Hall on Friday, and then next Wednesday, they will be at Providence. Just three more games for the Musketeers. Things are winding down here. Skinny Zach Fremantle is still not back. Cam Craft is out. Kiki Tandy is out. Desmond Claude did return for the Villanova loss. Where do you see things being at with the Xavier team right now?
1: They're leaking oil. and I, I go back to, you know, I- I'm— I'm probably wrong on this, but I still just wonder if all these collective minutes are starting to pile up on these guys and they're starting to take a toll. Um, Well,
0: I think, look, people keep bringing this up like things haven't changed over the last, you know, they've lost multiple players since we were originally talking about their depth. Oh, understood. Depth is absolutely an issue now. I don't think it was as much when Zach, when they had seven guys in their rotation, people talking about they're playing their guys too many minutes didn't make a lot of sense to me now that they're down to literally five players that they actually want to play. Yeah. The minutes are piling up and it's causing a major issue. And more than anything, their lack of talent past those top four or five guys is causing a issue.
1: Yeah. That's that. that, That's the problem. Getting Claude back helps. I I thought he played a pretty nice game the other night and made two threes in the first half. Right. And maybe, you know, maybe you see him expand his, his role a little bit, but you know, I, Colby goes two for 10 0 for five, um, you know, a couple of key turnovers down the stretch and, you know, you still had a, a a shot to win it. You know, Kunkel doesn't slide his feet. Maybe maybe it's a completely different outcome. Right. And that's, I think that's where they're at right now. The margin for error is not very big for this team at the moment.
0: And and, that, and that's really been the case all season long, even when they had Zach Fremantle and they were at full strength, you go back to some of the earlier wins this year, they, they'd have a big lead. They'd lose the big lead. They pull out a close win that their lack of defense through most of the season, has made it so that they have a very slim margin for error. Now that they've lost Zach Fremantle, there is no margin for error. They just have to play really good basketball to beat pretty much anyone in their conference. That includes a team like Villanova, especially now that they have Justin Moore back.
1: So let me ask you, what is the latest on Zach Fremantle?
0: That's a really good question. I just don't think anyone really knows. They said originally when they sat him down, it's going to be about four weeks. We're going to try to let him rest and hope that he can come back and and tolerate some of the pain and, and see how much he can give us. It's been about four weeks. I will point out that Zach Fremantle is from New Jersey, and Xavier goes to Seton Hall this Friday. So if they're thinking about a game for him to test it, I could very much see Zach deciding that's the game I want to do it for. Has he tested
1: Um, it at all in practice? He
0: went, he got in shoot around before the Marquette game. And uh, that's all I can comment on. I can't say how much he's done outside of that shoot around. Uh, He hasn't warmed up with the team outside of that for any of the other games. I can't say what he has or hasn't done in practice since then. Um, But I I think, I think there's legitimately some concern inside the Centaur Center about if he'll be able to come back at all. And if he does how much he'll really be able to give them,
1: man, that's a bummer.
0: Yeah. Now that being said, it's like, it's an unknown right now. It's there. There's, there's hope that he's going to return and he's going to be able to play, but I just don't think anyone really has, uh, a solid answer to that yet. And I mean, look look, this past Saturday, the NCAA selection committee had their reveal show where they gave out their top 16 seeds as they are right now. If the tournament was going to start this past Saturday. And And Xavier was
1: 16 of the 16.
0: Exactly. Xavier was 16th out of 16, which means they're the last four seed in the tournament as of Saturday. Then, you know, of course they turn around, they beat DePaul, but they lose to Villanova, which is a quad three loss at home. Oh, That's, probably going to ding their resume or their uh, seed, especially if you look at a couple of the teams right behind them who have picked up some big wins this week, Miami, Florida being one of them, uh, they, they had a quad one win at Virginia tech. So I think, you know, you probably look at, you're already sliding out of that four spot right now. The question is if you get one of these next two road wins, Xavier's at Seton hall at province, their next two games, both of them are quad one games on the road. And I think, One thing that the selection committee reveal shows showed us is that they are valuing big road wins, quad one road wins as much or more than anything else right now on your resume. So Xavier is able to get another quad one road win. I do think that'll make up somewhat for that quad three loss on the resume and I think you could still see yourself in that four seed line if you're able to win at least one of the next two games if not both of them um but otherwise then you're probably look at sliding out of the four but even then I mean you go back to last year 15 of the 16 teams that were revealed in that original selection committee show stayed in a top four seed line only one of them fell out and that was Texas falling from a four to a six so yeah, and, but the I history nine, is that you don't move a whole lot after that right, show.
1: Right. I think nine of the 16 ended up on the same seed line.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, that, that, the one, although, th- although it that, is
1: weird, Tennessee slipping quickly off its seed line.
0: Definitely. And, and that's the other, th- well, that's the other thing though. Xavier isn't the only team right. that's had some struggles and, and lost some games around the seed line. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes down. I, I actually think the the selection committee show was a big positive for Xavier fans from the standpoint that it proved that the selection committee is valuing Xavier's resume in the same way that Xavier fans are. It is right where everyone thought that they would be. Most people are saying they look like a four seed right now. Lo and behold, that's exactly where they they shook down. So I think from that standpoint, it, w- it was good to see that. And now you just hope you can survive the rest of the way as much as possible with these injuries. Yep. All right. Let's talk about NKU, the Norse. Split last weekend at Purdue Fort Wayne and at Cleveland State. They beat Purdue Fort Wayne 63 to 50 on Friday night and then lost 64, 63 in a closely contested game on Sunday afternoon. They play Detroit tonight at Detroit as we're recording this on Thursday, and then they'll play at Oakland on Saturday. Skinny, what do you think of the Norse at this juncture?
1: Um, I, I think what we, we talked about all along, as long as you can get one of those buys and right now they sit in fourth with a two game lead over Oakland. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. Obviously, as you mentioned, they do play them in the, in the regular season finale. Um,
0: Yeah. If, uh, if they win that, then it would be a split because Oakland beat NKU at NKU well, on they, 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 earlier this year.
1: Okay. So, so they'd yeah, be tied
0: head to head and then it would fall down to, uh, how, how they played against the other top teams in the conference. Basically all NKU needs right now is, one win or, or they need loss. Oakland to get one loss. That's right. And they yeah. have, they'll be out of them.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, and I, I, can I say it makes a difference between being a three and a four, I guess it could, but I mean, honestly, look Youngstown's deservedly they've, they've, they in Cleveland state are tied in the loss column. They got a half game lead on them. I think Youngstown's proven to maybe be the best team in this league, but by light years, no. In fact, I don't know if you saw the athletic story, Rick, They did a a story yesterday on mid majors that could put a scare into some teams in the NCAA tournament based on some metrics that they were using that kind of confused me a little bit, but they had NKU as one of those teams.
0: Well, the matchup zone is just a problem for, for high major teams. It's why they play the style that they do because they feel like it gives them a chance, not just to win in their conference, but if they ever get that opportunity like they did earlier this year, when they hosted Cincinnati, They feel like the way they play allows them to surprise teams, give them something they're not used to, and potentially pull off that upset. So I don't disagree with that. The problem for NKU is they have to be consistent enough to actually make the NCAA tournament.
1: That's right. Yeah, They they have to be
0: good enough to win the games in their own conference, and that's been a problem. And to your point about whether you want the uh, four seed or the three seed, the thing about it is Cleveland State, from a matchup perspective, might be just as concerning for NKU as Youngstown State is because of the way that they defend with their switching defense and their big athletic guards. They really make it difficult on Marques Warwick. So I mean I could see I could see Cleveland State being just as much of a problem as Youngstown State is from a matchup standpoint.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean I think the big key is just get the bye.
0: Yeah, no question. And they they are in a very good spot for that now. Uh it's it's more about just um Getting back on track, really, that more than anything. I mean, you just want to see them string together some wins, and I mean, you're you're in the final week of the season now, so really, this weekend it's all about getting one win to ensure you're a top four seed, and then hopefully you have some some momentum going into the conference tournament.
1: Yeah, exactly. I will say the one thing I learned about Nku this week is is I, I found out because I talked to him on, on Tuesday at the coaches show that I I coach AAU basketball against Marquez Work, and sadly I don't remember him
0: that's kind of surprising considering it wasn't like a huge AAU program that he played for. And you would assume he probably would have been a decent scorer at the time, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm assuming. Yes. Do you think
0: think your magical defensive game plans shut him down, That it was like all coaching. That is the reason you didn't remember him.
1: No, I think it's because we beat his team's ass a couple of times. So I don't remember. I remember playing them and they were actually, they were, they were a good program. Um, We played them probably four or five times, but Truth be told, the only one I remember, because that's how it came up, I asked him, I said, do you remember a kid from Lexington Lafayette that had the skunk hair? And he said, oh, yeah, Big Ray. He said, wait a minute. He goes, Then he asked me if I knew somebody. I go, yeah, I coached him. He goes, we played against you. I said, when? He goes, oh, back seventh and eighth grade. I went, oh, my God, I, I don't remember him. He obviously, if I don't remember him, shame on me. And then that either that or he just got so significantly better that here he is now uh, as, as a great player at NKU.
0: I, I will say I, I have – I'm impressed by your dedication to this podcast that you came all the way out to the NKU coaches show this week to prepare to make sure you had enough guys for this show. For that,
1: yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's really good dedication. All right. Anything else to add to the college basketball side of things, Skinny?
1: No, um, I, I will say, I, I think it's just, the the term is just going to be so fascinating because I can't figure anybody out. I can't. I, I think You're I talking about NCAA the NCAA tournament. I, I think the Alabama is really good. Yeah. But I also, you know, is this, it's, how's this thing going to play itself out? I mean, I I, will get to it in a minute, but I think Houston's really good too. But do I see Houston being a national champion? I just have a hard time wrapping my head around it. So yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating.
0: Yeah. I cannot wait for the tournament, even just the conference tournaments for all these local teams. I mean, every team has an interesting storyline. And I think just enough hope going into the conference tournament that there's a reason to watch it and believe.
1: No, you're right. That's That's a good point. It's well said.
0: All right, let's switch gears here over to the red side of things where spring training is in full force. And skinny Joey Votto made some comments to the Enquirer this week, saying that he understands the frustration of Reds fans, saying, quote, we deserve it. We have to play better. It's a failure of ours to leave such a supportive fan base dissatisfied. We are aware of it. The cynicism, in my opinion, is completely justified and quote fans seem to be excited by vado calling out the organization skinny what did you think of his comments
1: yeah i think that was him pointing the finger at the organization as much as anything else and 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 talking about not just the fans frustration but his frustration that listen they signed the dude to a big contract he he drew a lot of criticism probably unjust, most of it unjustly because they didn't do anything to build around him. So I'm sure he's frustrated by this scenario that this isn't what I signed up for at the end of my career. I was hoping to to make multiple playoff runs. And instead I'm trying to be on a team with a bunch of guys who can't play trying to avoid hundred losses again. so I, I think that was his frustration as much as it was anything else. I appreciate the honesty for it, but I do think that was him, him sensing or or voicing his frustration towards the organization.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I like you said, I appreciate that he's willing to step up and say something, at least. I thought fans were a little carried away with how much he was, quote-unquote, calling out the organization. I mean, I don't know how much of a call-out it was. I'd like to see him go a couple steps farther, to be quite honest. I realize he's an employee. He's respectful. you know, That's who he is. But I, I, w- I would have no problem with him going a few steps farther with this and, and really calling them out because, quite honestly, what they've done to him And the final years of his career is just flat-out insulting.
1: Yeah, no, it is. But you know what? They got Susie yesterday.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, great news, too. They're prioritizing defense.
1: Yeah. yeah. Prioritizing
0: defense this year, Skinny.
1: Well, because because of the shift, and now you got to have guys in the infield who actually don't – they actually have to run to go catch a ground ball maybe on occasion.
0: Well, there's also the fact that they're not going to score, so they figured they probably should (laughs) prioritize something other than that. Good call. Yeah. Um, just a couple other notes to get to here on the red side of things. Ellie De La Cruz was listed as the number six prospect in all of baseball by uh baseball America. He was one of five reds on the top 100 prospects list. The next highest red was infielder Spencer steer at number 47. Any thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz?
1: Yeah, I, I, I just, we said this last week. I just hope they do right by him. I heard Keith law on with our friend, Mo Egger, um, former uh, front office executive in the league. And um, he he was asked about De La Cruz and maybe bringing him up, you know, if he makes out of spring training. He said, the one thing, you just don't rush him. He said, I think he'd be better if he – even if you thought he was ready and you sent him back and let him tear it up for a couple of months just to make triple sure because you don't want him to come up. Um, and we've seen plenty of guys that have these great springs that have a, a lot of uh, hope surrounding them and then they face major league pitching when it matters and they struggle and they lose all sense of confidence i I just hope they 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 do right by him and i think they will i think their plan for him has been pretty good so far um you know and i'll probably be the first to get carried away if he's great in spring but hopefully that their plan is 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 one that's right by the kid no matter what that plan is
0: okay can i go dumb fan here for a second I get a little bit tired of babying these guys with stuff like that. Like, I don't I don't know that I really understand that. Good players adapt to the level that they're at you get better by playing against the next best competition like when you were younger you play if you were good you played up against older guys and guess what you weren't the best player at that level at first but a year through it or midway through the year you started to adapt and you get that's how you get better I just don't really understand like the idea that playing against better competition ruins these guys because they have no confidence all of a sudden when they've been a great player their entire life I mean I get it take your time with him don't rush him make sure he knows everything he needs to know and he's confident and all of that but this whole like you ruin players by letting them play against major league competition before they're quote unquote ready it's like, who who is ever ready how do you get ready without playing against that level fair, of competition
1: it's a fair point i i just he's just he's you've got so much centered around him that I, again, I've seen plenty of guys that have had great springs, Rick, and you're like, okay, it's just spring and, and you get carried away by it. I just hope we don't get carried away by spring.
0: Sure. But I, I think most of those guys probably just suck to some extent. Maybe. I, like, I mean, th- there's the fact that some guys just aren't really cut out for this and they're Brandon Larson. They were a great A player. They were really a 4A player. They just weren't a major right. league quality guy. And I'm not saying this isn't specific to Ellie De La Cruz. Take all the time in the world with him. He's your franchise piece, hopefully going forward. It's not really specific about him. It's just like those comments about don't rush him. I never really understand that a whole lot of like, what, what exactly is he waiting for? What does, what else? That's
1: a a a fair point. I I think it's for guys that I guess are inside the game that they can tell when they think a guy's ready. I I, I guess that's the only point I can make to it.
0: I think it's a lot of, I test a mumbo jumbo BS, but I mean, I watch the you know, AI we, algorithms. Listen,
1: listen, no, I mean, we, we watched Mike Trout come up and tear it up right away. We watched Bryce Harper come up at 19 and tear it up right away. There's a great story in Philly's camp this year, about a 19 year old pitcher that, that blasted through their farm system last year uh, has ridiculous stuff and they're considering throwing him in the rotation. So, um, you know, some teams do it that way and that that's yeah. fine. Again, I get it. Hey, listen, man, if he if he looks the part in spring, I said it, if he looks the part, I I don't want to baby him. I just want them to do right by him whatever that means, whatever that is.
0: Yeah. Well, in the in the NFL, you used to have teams would always take their quarterback and then sit him for the first year to groom him and get him ready. And now they've realized you know what if you have that guy on that contract you might as well just get him ready as quickly as possible and throw him into the fire and get as much use out of him as you can early on while he's still under that that cheaper contract football to me is a lot more damaging to throw a guy out there who's potentially not ready yet he's going to take hits and he's not going to have time and you're going to throw him off compared to baseball where it's kind of a static thing it's it's the same every time, you know, it's just like the pitching is going to remain the same. You don't have to worry about a pass rush coming after you or anything. Your teammates aren't blocking for you. It's one on one. You versus the pitcher. I'm just not sure that I, I It's it's been a narrative for so long in the sport. I just not sure if it's a real one. I think it's just something people say because they've always said it kind of like they used to do with quarterbacks until they decided to change that.
1: Yeah, I I yeah. I I I I think every case is different. I mean, I, I do. And maybe this is he's the case of he is Bryce Harper. He is Mike Trout. He is ready to roll right now. And let's not waste any more time with it.
0: Skinny, the Reds also added a Kroger logo to their jersey sleeve. We got our first look at that recently. Did you see the Kroger logo on the Reds
1: jerseys? I I did. It's on the right sleeve, I believe, if I'm looking at do it correctly. You, do you like it? Do you hate it? Does it bother you? Do you care? Sure. When I first heard they were going to do this, because we put a story up on our website um a couple of weeks ago when this first came about, I, I kept wondering where is it going to be and what's it going to look like? And then when I see it on the sleeve, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can live with that.
0: That was my exact reaction. I was thinking something more like on the chest and I'm thinking, how is that too. blue logo going to look on their red jersey? Right, right. That's going to be bad. But then, yeah, you see it on the sleeve. It's white on a white jersey with just a little blue lettering. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty nondescript.
1: Yeah, I, I do wonder if if guys start cutting individual deals, if it goes underneath like, their name. I mean, th- this is going to be NASCAR before all is sudden In the next 20 years, these uniforms are going to look very NASCAR-ish.
0: Uh, well, Major League will have to change some rules to allow that first. Yes. I mean, there's yes. it's not like you can just start putting random stuff on your jersey, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if you start seeing them do something with accessories first where guys are wearing, you know, like, branded gear underneath their jersey that has a little bit of a logo sticking out or something on their sleeves, things like that. I could see them start to lax those rules first and then uh, see guys go from there because personal brands is going to be huge in sports in the next 20 years with all these NIL deals. No question. And uh, finally, skinny David Bell said that Tyler Stevenson will catch four times every 10 days this season. During that 10-day span, Stevenson will also get time at first base and be the team's designated hitter. Is this a, a clear sign that Tyler Stevenson is going to be the Reds' next first baseman after Joey Joey Votto?
1: I hope not. Here's here's the way I look at it. Is what makes him elite as a hitter, in my opinion, is that he's a catcher. He's right. a catcher who can hit at an elite level. Okay, yeah. but I also this team ain't winning anything this year, so. Keep protecting him as much as you can while still getting his bat in the lineup. I mean, it could mean that that's what he's going to do eventually, but I, I think for me, for right now, you still obviously want him to be a catcher. Cause you are going to catch him. I think the plan is in a perfect world. He catches 65 games this year and then splits the rest of his time at DH and first base. And I think Dave actually said they mapped out the whole thing to like, it's a 10 day rotation and he gets four behind the plate. I think two or three at first, two or three is the DH and then a day off and then you start the rotation again um, in there. Uh, I, I like it for now because he, injuries have been a big storyline with this kid. Um, you know, you look at his numbers from last year. I mean, he was raking, and um, he's, a, I think it was, what, 856, 836 OPS, which is pretty good, but, you know, it, what sets him apart as a hitter is that he's a catcher who can hit, and to me, that's the big differentiator But I also, like I said, this year, you're not winning anything. So let's protect him as much as possible moving forward. And you still hopefully keep him sharp as a catcher by him catching 65 games this year.
0: Yeah, I I actually agree with that totally. I've never been that excited about the idea of Tyler Stevenson being a first baseman only because he's a very average hitting first baseman. I wouldn't go average, but I I wouldn't. He's not elite. Solid at best. I mean, but he's not he's not a special player at first base. He is a special player as a catcher. Right. And that's that to me, that's the difference. I just don't, I don't have that much interest in him being a first baseman. Like you said, by all means, get as much rest this year for him as you can because it's not going to matter. But going forward, if the idea is that we're supposed to be excited about Tyler Stevenson as the first baseman, eh, doesn't do much for me. I mean, okay, that's fine. You'll, you'll live with him there, but it's not, that's not like an exciting move for me.
1: Yeah, I don't think it is. I just they've got so many of these shortstops that they're that they're high on in the minor league system that you're yeah, going to someone's going to have to move. Yeah, correct. I mean, L. A. L.A. Daily Cruz is six foot five. Could he play first base eventually?
0: Yeah, although with that speed and quickness, who knows? And the arm, yeah, he might
1: be an outfielder. He might be the center yeah. fielder. For I yeah, I mean, but yeah. you know, the point is, I, I think you can you you'll you'll you have a first placement somewhere in your future.
0: Yeah, I would agree. All right, let's switch gears here to the Bengals. we just got a few things to hit on real quick, and we'll start with Zach Taylor, Skinny. He made some comments to a Nebraska football media outlet this week saying about the Bengals, quote, they're going to have to carry me out of here in a casket. I love it in Cincinnati. I just can't imagine myself anywhere else. Skinny, is it hard to believe we've gotten to this point with Zach Taylor just the last few years? I mean, literally two seasons ago before the year started, Everyone, for the most part, wanted this guy gone.
1: Well, hell, after the 0-2 start this year, there was there was people. That's true. the thing And, I, and the, remember the whole narrative of well, why, why won't he give up play calling? He needs to give up play calling. And I told you he I was, was never going to give up. Play somewhat calling. part of that to be gone. No, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that. But I think he does realize he's got a great situation, thanks in part to who his quarterback is thanks in part to the roster that's now been put together. And with the belief moving forward, that they're going to try to keep the, the core pieces of that and with a pretty good plan in place uh, of how to manage all of these things. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think he feels like he's in a great situation here, and, and understandably so, because he really is. He's He seems to have
0: a knack for saying the right things, too, with uh, this community and the, this fan base. He seems to, to get it and understand how to make himself endearing to them. And uh, like, I mean, just even the wording of this was kind of just funny to me. I don't know why they're going to have to carry me out of here in a casket. It's not like super creative or anything, but man, does it just fit the the Cincinnati people?
1: Well, the other part, too, he's got a young family. And, and obviously, for those of us that grew up around this area, we love this area. It's a great place to, to grow up and raise a family. And the, I think he sees the value in that, too.
0: Yeah, uh, a couple other things here real quickly. Lyle Collins, I've seen a lot of different stuff about him this week. People talking about what the Bengals should do, whether they should move on from him, whether he could be a depth piece for them, even if they don't feel like he would, would be their starting tackle anymore, or potentially even moving him over to guard. Do you see any of those as a possibility given what he's being paid? Or do you think it's, uh, you either decide he's your tackle, you move on from him.
1: Yeah. You either decide he's your tackle or you move on. I mean, I, I did a, uh, a three-part piece the week after the the loss to the Chiefs, and one of them was five veterans to look at as possible uh, cap casualties. And I I reached on DJ Reader just threw him in there because he's got such a big number. I don't think he's going to be a cap casualty, but I, I made it a list of five, so I kind of reached at five. But Al Collins was clearly in that clearly in that mix of 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 guys like that. That if you've decided, hey, Akeem Adeniji did enough to show us, or um, and my friend Paul Daner Jr. from the the Athletic did a piece um, where he has, he kind of mythically went through putting a roster together and the athletic had kind of a machine that you could do this on their website of where he's cutting Joe Mixon and Lyle Collins and going and signing uh, Mike McGlinchey of the, of the 49ers. I mean, you could, you could look at that scenario of, of, go, uh, you know, Taylor Luan just, just uh, got released by the Titans Now he's considering retiring, but you know, maybe he's a, a, an offensive line piece, you know, maybe you look and you go, he was just fine. And Jackson Carmel was just fine. And, you know, they're going to be in the, in the mix to start. Cause Jonah will be back as the left tackle. Um, Cause they picked up his fifth year option, but then you also have to look beyond that, what you're going to do with, with him. So yeah, I just, I don't see Lyle fitting. I just don't. Um, it's just a, it's a bigger number than what you'd like. He's now, he consistently has been hurt. He seemed at times disinterested. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think either you've decided he's the right tackle, or you're moving on from him.
0: We've got beef with Taylor Luan. We can't have him coming to Cincinnati. That's a good point. He's he's a podcaster. We can't have <laughs> other podcasters coming into this space.
1: Fair uh, enough.
0: Finally, another question that I saw out there this week: a lot of trade scenarios involving the Bengals and involving T. Higgins. Do you think T. Higgins is likely to be traded?
1: No, absolutely, one thousand percent no.
0: Um, you think this is more about other fan bases and other teams yes. and other writers seeing him as a, a great option for them?
1: Yes. And, and this is happens to a lot of guys going into that fourth year of the, the, the rookie contract of it's time to renegotiate. And, um, you know, sometimes that process doesn't work. As I mentioned, I, I could see a scenario of next year of them tagging. And if it doesn't work out trading him then, but I don't see it now you're all in for this year. I mean, you really are and and, and to be on this year. Um, uh, listen, T Higgins may fuss about it. If he doesn't get a contract extension before the year starts, he may be unhappy about it, but it's going to do him no good to do anything other than go ball out. I mean, to be quite frank. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I I'll I'll worry about the T Higgins situation after this year, whether, um, uh, you know, he, he was pouty and wasn't productive and then that's on him and that's going to cost him money. So I don't think that's going to take place. If you come to the point of You still can't get anything done from an extension standpoint of tagging him and then deciding kind of like we did with Jesse Bates. Well, we're going to play you for one more year, and then you can go make your money somewhere else. So, yeah, I don't see the scenario of that this year for sure. All right. Well, let's
0: transition that right into some Ask Skinny Anything. We have a a Bengals question to start here. Uh, I don't remember who this was, but they said, Skinny, please grade the – job frank pollock has done as offensive line coach and please create the job west miller has done as uc's basketball coach so far i don't think those two are related i just think I, they want two I, different answers
1: I, I don't think they are either um i'll give frank a, a, a solid b um and i think some of it was he had a he had a a scheme that, that he brought as, a, as an offensive line coach a run scheme and you know maybe behind closed doors there were loggerheads with him and in, in, in Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor. It didn't seem like there was, but he wasn't stubborn enough to not change it. Cause not only is he the, the offensive line coach, he is the run game coordinator too, on top of it. So he wasn't too stubborn to change some of those things. I mean, honestly, it was nice of them to go get Karis and Kappa and Lyle Collins. And we all expected them to hit the ground running and, and it didn't happen. And I think that's when Frank got some fire drawn his way for, for whatever reason, but I think it was a matter of just, they needed some time to mesh and he's had to deal with injuries. I mean, dude, the 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 line from last year that was in the in the Super Bowl, obviously, you didn't think enough of those guys to bring four of those guys back as starters, and yet he somehow molded that group into a starting Super Bowl group. So yeah, I'll give him a solid B. And what about Wes Miller? I'm gonna give him a C. I I just the roster doesn't do much for me moving forward. I I I know he's done okay in the high school recruiting segment of it, but in the big 12, you better be more than okay. And I just, he's going to have to really, to move that knee. I mean, he could take, he's at a C right now because I don't know what, I don't think this was an NCAA tournament team to begin with this year. And certainly last year he inherited a bit of a mess. So he gets a pass for those two years to some degree. Uh, And he's won enough games to at least know he's not a complete abject failure, but uh, he's got a lot of work to do. So he can move this certainly to a, a B and an A in the next couple of years. And he could also very quickly take it to an F and be out of a job.
0: Yeah. I think that's the the big, big issue he faces is that going forward, no one wants to hear the excuse next year that you had to turn over your roster again and they weren't ready. Right, That's what right. you should have been yeah. doing this year and last year. And instead you have a bunch of older players on your roster right now, who probably aren't good enough to play in the Big 12. So more than likely, you're looking at another kind of rebuild situation going forward over the next year or two. And if that's the case, then I think people are going to get impatient. That's the big concern I have for him going forward.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the Big 12 is going to get maybe 10 teams into this year's tournament, Rick.
0: Yeah, it's it's no joke, as we've been talking about all year. The Big 12 is just insane. All right, Skinny, uh, let's get to The big national story this week, which involves the Alabama basketball program, we talked about it at the top of the show. Their star, one-and-done freshman, Brandon Miller, who's been their leader all year, has now, his name has been brought up in the, I guess, murder case that's going on, or at least there was a a shooting by one of the other Alabama basketball players earlier this year for which he was arrested. There's a trial going on involved in that yes Darius Miles and he wasn't playing um for them but it's now been brought up that Brandon Miller was involved he actually brought the handgun to Miles drove it to him Miles had left it in his car earlier in the night he drove it back to them and he was there he actually had his car shot with a couple of stray bullets, uh, as the two men were exchanging gunfire, and uh, then one of the guy's girlfriends was shot and killed during the exchange. So, uh, there's been some new news that has come out today, some of uh, release by Brandon Miller's lawyer, yes. kind of clarifying some of what was reported earlier this week. Some people, uh, one of the news reports said that his car was blocking. The woman's car and, and the other guy's car who was shot at by his teammate, that seems to not be true, according to dash cam. So th- it does seem like there's a little bit of some conflicting information here. But I think the big story that everyone's talking about from a sports perspective, Skinny, and obviously, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a young woman who died and her family having to deal with that. It's it's a serious situation, and that all is terrible and it's tragic. But there is this other aspect here of it from a basketball perspective where Alabama is potentially the top team in the country right now, and their coach has players who are getting involved in things like this, and their top player overall now has his name brought up. Should these guys still be coaching and still be playing this season?
1: Well, the the information that's come out here in the last day or so makes it really seem like to what Nate Oates said about him being wrong place, wrong time was really kind of the case that, it, according to his attorney, and again, attorneys don't always give you all the facts either. But according to his ter- attorney, he was already on his way to to pick up Darius Miles, um, and got a text message en route that said something about the guns in the backseat of the car, and apparently, according to again, the attorney. He didn't do anything with it. It was underneath some clothes. The, I guess Miles came and got it out of the car, but Miller never exchanged it with him. And then Miles apparently gave it to some other guy, and the other guy is the one that did the shooting, supposedly. It's not a good look, but it does seem like wrong place, wrong time. Um, and a guy who was, you know, he was already on the way to pick him up. He didn't know the gun was in the backseat of the car. Uh, you know, we were making fun of it earlier in the podcast, obviously. Um, but you know, in, in this case, if that's the case. I, it, it It's a bad look, but I don't think it's anything that you can knock the kid away from playing. And Nate Oates realizes he said he didn't have the information about all of this that I'm talking about when he spoke to the media on Tuesday and made the comments that seemed really, really stupid. Uh, and so I think in this case, it, it is really it's a sad case, but I'm not sure what what this kid did wrong to be quite frank
0: yeah i mean you you don't want him involved in that you don't even want I'm going him to, to be to, there i'm going
1: to go, go to my car i'm going to get my gun i'm going to come back i'm going to shoot all y'all remember that scene from the movie
0: i i've seen that yeah. i have seen that um i don't think it was that situation exactly uh, i also think it, people forget what it was like to be a teenager or in college, I'm not saying everyone had friends toting guns around in their back seat, but I mean, God, I I'm sure there were times that there were things in my car that I either didn't know about or uh, that I probably wouldn't have wanted to be pulled over with when I was bringing friends around, dropping them off at places or we were picking someone up. But you don't always know people all that well. Did, like, you a, did you have hashish in your car? I have no comment on what was in the back of my car because I don't know about it just like Brandon Miller, Skinny. My point is I can see how that happens. Like people are so quick to say that this is insane and um it's complete BS what Nate Oates was saying, that Brandon Miller didn't know about it and what have you. I just I mean, I I can see how this would happen. Is it a good look? No. And were Nate Oates' comments that originally came out about, yeah, we already knew about it. It's wrong place, wrong time. There's nothing he could do. You can't keep track of where everybody is at all the time. Yeah,
1: and that was stupid to it's, say, too. Just It's yeah. not
0: the right thing to say. In that Correct. Moment. It's Correct. just not the right thing to say. It's going to draw a reaction. It's not going to look good. But I, I'm kind of with you. Like it, here's, the, here's the deal. I guess at this point, if you're saying Brandon Miller can't play – what are you doing that for? Basically, you're going to some type of like uh student conduct policy that says there's not allowed to be guns on campus, and you're you're hitting them with that. And if that's the case, then how many guns do you think have ever been brought onto Alabama's campus by their student body?
1: Well, dude, uh-huh. i i I got out of one in college once where we got busted with a keg in my room, and uh, we had to go before the disciplinary board, and. I kind of got us out of any punch where I said, well, he said, well, you know, I, I said, listen, people have beer in their dorms all the time. He said, yeah, but you know, we kind of, we frown on the keg part of it. I said, again, people have got beer in their dorms all the time. And I got this response of, yeah, but we had, you know, the kegs in the, the we, we frown on that. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, if something happens here, I'm going to request that we go to everybody's dorm room and knock on their door. And if they have beer in there and they're underage, you're going to have to do something about it. And I kind of got us off scot-free with that comment.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's not you know, I guess that two wrongs don't make a right or whatever. But right. I mean, really, if we're talking about t- telling this kid who is a one and done prospect and he's going to make millions and millions of dollars as an NBA player, and you can say, well, maybe he doesn't deserve that or what have you, I don't know the kid, you don't know the kid, right? So let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. Do we really think it's the best thing for him and for society? To say no, you're not going to play the the rest of this year. And by the way, he'd make yeah. the NBA anyway. But do we right. really the, the, think that's that's good for him and good for society?
1: Yeah, the way this was framed initially in my mind when I first when when this first came up a couple of days ago was Darius Miles texted him said bring me my gun. He got in the car with the gun. And said, OK, I'm going to take it to you and then handed him the gun and then he handed the other guy a shot. And at that point, then he is complicit, in my opinion, but with then an understanding
0: story- of what was going on. Right. Like, hey, I need this gun because I'm in an altercation.
1: Yeah, but even yeah, but but I, I'm talking I, I'm, I'm just saying the, the way I initially thought about it was guy calls and asks for gun. Guy gets in car with with gun, takes him the gun instead of he was already in route to pick the guy up. who'd been asking him for over an hour to come pick me up. Then turns out that that the gun's in the back seat that he didn't even know about. He never supposedly even handed it to him. And at that point, what what did he do, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. And again, how much of that is
1: right? True. Exactly or not, true. true.
0: It's impossible right. to know, but you can see a scenario where that is the case and that plays out. And and that if that is the case, then what are you really supposed to do to Brandon Miller in that situation? I, well, don't, I mean, the, the, by the law, he can't even be in any trouble so why are we telling him he can't play basketball right.
1: no right I, I'm with you it, it, it it's ugly and it's been an ugly season in college basketball with stuff right I mean oh, ugly but bad. what about Nate is, Oates what do you think Nate Oates should have any I thought it was I thought problems. when I heard it on whatever day that was Monday or Tuesday that I, I said to a couple of friends that's fireable in my opinion in retrospect he misspoke he quickly did apologize for it he's also a Truth be told, like a lot of coaches, he's well, he wants his best player on the floor, but yeah. and he's also a basketball coach, right? Right, <laughs> he's a basketball
0: right. coach. Like we all, we expect these basketball coaches to be the smartest people in the world. They're not. They're not. They're pretty good at one
1: thing, right? Well, some of them are pretty good at one thing. It's an interesting case because, like I said, we are, in my mind, I jumped to the scenario that I just brought out of. He literally brought his friend a gun, handed his friend a gun. And friend then gave it to somebody else to shoot somebody. That makes them both complicit. Then the police don't charge him with anything. Then there's a different scenario that's laid out of how this transpired. And at that point, I'm like, it, it, it's it's awful. It's sad. There's no question about that. But what did this kid really do? Other than he was riding in a car that had a gun in the back seat that was his buddy's gun that he didn't know what he was going to use it for, and he never touched it supposedly. Yeah.
0: And I mean, we, we could say, well, he clearly is associating with the wrong people, but there's also the chance that it's your teammate, man. You might not have even liked the guy. You right. might have literally just dropped him off for the night somewhere. That happens in college, especially if you're on a team with these guys and you're around each other all the time. Sometimes there might only be one of out of every three or four guys with a car on a college basketball team. That's pretty common stuff. And I I think it's the type of thing that not everyone really thinks about or understands or remembers when they start casting stones with this thing. I mean, it's a terrible situation, but I also think you saw a lot of people really rush to judgment. And then the other thing that's just so weird now is like, we can't just rush to judgment and be like, oh, this is terrible. Or that guy's a bad guy. Everyone has to be fired and everyone has to be taken away. Like you can't play anymore. You can't coach anymore. You all should be fired and no one should have their job. It's like, if we, went with public consensus on that every time no one would be employed anywhere that's probably right we just have no one would have jobs all right uh skinny going back to last week's show we had a question about the best nicknames in sports and we were a little confused whether that meant like team nicknames mascots or player nicknames the uh, person xavier professor who had asked this question on twitter clarified for us that he was talking about player nicknames
1: yeah, and I, I, Shooty Babbitt still comes to mind as my favorite nickname of all time. Shooty Babbitt's pretty great. Yeah, Shooty. Mac Shooty Babbitt. All
0: right. Uh, I, guess, I, guess, I guess you're not getting anything more out of a savings yeah, So That's all I we mean, got. I,
1: yeah, I, I'm trying to think of any clever nick. Because guys have nicknames, and they're not all that clever, right? I mean, they're just not. I mean, Joe Burr. Come on, give me a break. I mean, silly. You don't like Joe Shiesty? Joe Shiesty, yeah. I mean, come on. That's what, the what dumbest. It, what is that? that? That is by far the, the the dumbest one. Um, gosh, I and I racked my brain on this too, and I just, I just couldn't come up with ones that that just wowed me other than Shooty Babbitt. That's the one that's always stuck stuck with me. Did I, you have I, any off the top of your head? Well, I gave
0: you my two last week that I love the big unit, yep. Randy Johnson. Yep, and uh, Juice with OJ.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, because it 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 that was a fairly original one in in the day of there wasn't a lot of nicknames.
0: Yeah, well, and it's like a, it's a cool nickname, but it's also one that was real that stuck. That was like his. It took over, you know. Everyone uh, knew him uh, as Juice.
1: Well, and, and I don't. He really wasn't known as this in, in 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 the NBA, but it was he was such a cool guy to watch through the seventies and in into the eighties at, at Louisville at Louisville Male High School. Dale Griffith as Doctor. Duncanstein.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. Because I mean, just was. just to be be able to say you were known as something with dunk in your name is pretty yeah. good.
1: Yeah, and, and, and honestly, and that's and he came out in, a, in an era where, um, for a while through the '70s, college basketball had outlawed uh, the late '60s. Actually, I think starting with Luol Kareem Abdul Jabbar, they outlawed the dunk for about a ten year period. And the dunk came came out back in the late '70s, around the time that Daryl Griffith was was matriculating at U of L. And, um, you know, the, the way he could jump was legendary. And so, you know, he's the dunk became a really big thing back then. And so Dr. Duncanstein was just a great nickname. I, I, I was like the, the dream for Akeem Olajuwon was just a cool nickname because it just was it just it Akeem, felt the I,
0: dream like, is great. You're right. Yeah. That is a really good
1: one. Yeah. I mean, because he, he was just always cool. I, I, you know, I, And my guy, the Admiral, the, the Admiral is a good one, too. That's a great one. Broadway Joe, I guess, for Joe Namath. I mean that tied into a lot of things. Um, I, dropped
0: a, I dropped a Broadway Baum on my Xavier podcast last night, talking about Adam <laughs> Baum from the Enquirer because he's getting ready to head to the Big East tournament. Yep,
1: there you go. Bro. He like turns Broadway turns into a
0: different man. He starts okay. drinking and getting all crazy.
1: I like Broadway. Ba- I like Broadway Baum. That's a good one. I do too. He's a he's a he's a good man. Um, trying to think if there's any others I could come up with off the top of my head.
0: I think the dream was a good pool. I forgot about that. That's a really good one.
1: Doctor J feels like of the course. NBA had more better nicknames than anybody else, right?
0: Yeah, the Iceman.
1: Oh, George Gervin, the Iceman. Love the Iceman. Yeah, see, the NBA has got a lot of good ones. Yeah. Yeah, they, they had some really good ones for sure. My, my favorite is, though, and, and this is a pretty good running gag among writers, and it's mostly guys who cover baseball. It feels like they call everybody like, you know, like for Tyler Stevenson, Stevie or, uh, oh. you know. Senzi, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just at Brooksy,
0: just at, at Brooksy, yeah, yeah. Brooksy.
1: So we made a joke that some, that at some point there's going to be a guy who unfortunately dies in a clubhouse, and you're going to go, yeah, over there, there's corpsey. I mean, <laughs> I mean, baseball is the one that because they all do it.
0: It's so true that uh, I don't want to be racist here, but I think that's just a white guy thing. I think it white probably, guys do that a lot
1: it probably is but it feels like every guy in baseball talks in those terms
0: yeah it's very much a
1: baseball thing you know shwarbsy getting 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 on base for us this week and harps is harps is not harpy's not going to in and no what are we doing yeah what are we doing yeah baseball's the worst for that
0: well let me let so me I, ask you let me ask you one more cuz i got to go meet my broadcast partner kelchi here for yep. NKU practice yep <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, the last question here, this came up among the Xavier fan base this week. One of the uh, great Xavier social media guys said that if Xavier had won against Villanova and his tweet had gotten 50 likes, that he was going to a, a 20, 15, 10, and 5 challenge. And what that means is, Skinny, you you choose four different things. So like he was doing beers, shots, Ooh. hot dogs, and miles. Ooh. And you have oh, okay. to assign the numbers to them and you can do it in however you want, like 20 beers, 15 shots, 10 hot dogs, five miles or five however. miles of
1: what? Walking, running.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say running for me. I'm not uh, walking for me. I'm not going yeah. to run them. Okay. Yeah. Um. How would you attack that right now? If you had to do that, 20, 15, 10 and five beers, shots, dogs, miles. How would you go about it?
1: Okay. The, the beers would be the 20 for sure. No doubt. Man, 2015 10 5. I would probably go. Oh my gosh, that's a that's impossible because I'd like the five to be the miles, but I can't let the shots be 10 or 15, or I won't be able to take any of the miles.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I said. I have to go five shots, or there's no way I'm getting through this day.
1: So then I'll go. 10 hot dogs in 15 miles?
0: Yeah, that's what I did too. You have to because the only way I think you're actually doing this is if you you just walk for two and a half, three hours and you're crushing beers along the way.
1: Yeah, because then c- yeah.
0: Kind of keep you moving, keep you sober a little bit, sweat a little bit of it out. I mean, Good 15 gosh. miles is only what, maybe two and a half hours?
1: Yeah, I, I'd in- have to go back. My, a buddy of mine and I once walked home from from a, a thing at Scott High School because my dad forgot to come pick us up. And I lived in – you know where I live because we lived on the yep. same street. Think about that walk for a minute. And that, that felt like that's a, a long travel. walk. It's a um, long-ass walk.
0: Well, look, look, I mean, you, what's a normal mile? Probably 12, 13 minutes to walk a mile? People run it in like uh, seven? That's a
1: good question.
0: Yeah, that, that's so, probably about right. So like 12 or 13 is probably a good pace for a – and you're probably walking fairly briskly. So let's say you
1: can a do – for a while until yeah. you start throwing up the hot dogs and the beer.
0: So, well, I mean, so what we're saying, at a minimum, you're doing four miles an hour, three and a half miles an hour,
1: something like that. For a while.
0: Okay. So, I mean, it would take you a handful of hours here, I guess, if we're talking right. about, but I still think you got to go 15 miles because yeah. 15 hot dogs is just going to absolutely you do it. destroy no you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 10 hot dogs. I don't even know if you could finish hard. it.
0: 10 yeah. hot dogs would be hard well but I mean I think I think if you give me five hot dogs to start my day as I'm about to crush beers or as I'm crushing my first beers yeah and you can, get the munchies yeah I can roll through that and then hit five later or three and two divide it up yeah, later somehow fair. I think that's I can fair. get through ten hot dogs over the course of a day that's shots fair. shots is the big concern you have to leave shots at five and distribute them properly throughout yeah. the day
1: by the way I want to go back to, to nickname uh, question guy and just say okay. i' kind just to see if he's got a nickname or two that he liked So if he will hit us up with that.
0: Yeah. Tweet that to us. uh, Yeah. Professory.
1: I liked it. I liked the question. It just, I think we gave him some good answers. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, you came through with a few of the basketball ones late there. Hakeem, the dream was a nice pool.
1: Yeah. I was in Dr. Duncanstein. That was one of my favorites. That was a
0: good one too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. That's all I got. All right. That's all I got. I right, appreciate it, Rick. Thanks very much. Enjoy the the, uh, the NKU action this weekend. Rick will be on the call of NKU Detroit. If you're listening to this on Thursday, he'll be on the call on Thursday night and then on the call for the Oakland NKU game as well. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Popery edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.